Hi, welcome to our podcast, Like Jasper. My name is Sarah Calvin, and I'm your host, along with my fabulous cousin, Brittany Gonzalez. Our podcast comes from a scripture found in Revelations 4.3, where in John's vision, he attempts to describe the indescribable image of Christ and says he is like Jasper. Our hope is to be more like him daily and come alongside of you to encourage and build you up in your faith. Join us on today's episode of Like Jasper. Welcome back, everybody. So glad you're here. Today, we have a very special guest, Brittany and I's other cousin, <laughs> Hal Hamilton. Um, if you guys would like to say, hey, go ahead, Hal and Brittany. Hi. Hey. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, we are really, we always, we always say we're really excited, but we are just because um, the last, when we had um, Annie Lane here, that is Hal's mom. So we have a kind of a unique thing in our family where we're, we have one generation of first cousins that is the oldest one is in their 60s, I believe. And then the youngest one, it just turned 30. So we have this really wide range of first cousins that mm. go because all of our parents um, had children at different ages and a bunch. So it's kind of, it's always been neat when we've been together, like, this is my first cousin and my children are her age and my kids are right. there, you know? So it's just been, um, I don't know. It's been neat. And how. Yeah. Sarah's, in... Sarah's mom, who's my aunt is about four years older than me. Yes. Okay. I was going to, I was just yeah, going to ask you that where you fell in line. So are you younger? Where are you? You're, where are you in your, in any lanes lineup? You're the oldest. No. I'm the oldest. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. I got it. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so that's what I thought because I know, um, yeah. Anyways, that's just always been, so if you needed a note from school, you could say your aunt wrote it and she was like a couple of years, you know, <laughs> older than you. Um, but yeah. Well, when she came and lived with us for a year, I'd take her to a high school game and people would want to know who the hot girl was. was and I'd like, that's my aunt. They'd say, no, come on guys. You can tell who she is. Like, really, it's my aunt. Like, uh. that's yeah, that is funny. That's what um, Mark, our other, co- our other cousin used to say that he, he wanted to go on a field trip that he didn't think his parents were going to say yes. So your mom, Sarah wrote the note and it said, who signed this note? And he said, my aunt. And she was like in the same or next grade, which is just, yeah, they were like basically the same age, yeah, which is pretty it's cool. Funny. But, um, cool. so we are, this has really been, um, just so cool that you were willing to come on and talk because you, you have, um, really, I've never heard your testimony. So I'm very excited myself to hear it, but yes. yeah, you too. Is that what you said? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I said, yeah, same here. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So we, and we're really excited too, because we haven't had uh, a male voice on here, a godly male voice. And so we we're excited to bring that to our listeners too, because we definitely want, we don't, we don't have a clue about that. So, um, (laughs) God, you're here to clue us in just, just a bit, just a smidge. Um, so without further ado, you want to, before we, I think the first question is that just your testimony, but you want to yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself and then jump into that or however you want to go. We're gonna uh, let you leave. Sure. I'm, <laughs> my name's Hal. I 
married to Anna Marie for 37 years and I've got uh, five kids. They're all young adults. And um, I don't know. I, I like sports. Did a lot of youth ministry, maybe 33 years of youth ministry. And uh, the last five years have been working with a mission sending agency. And um, so I, my testimony, I think, probably starts when I was four years old. My dad, who is second generation pastor, um, was having a special service. Uh, I think I think it was the guy who was going in front of the revival speaker. And uh, he talked about he talked about heaven and hell. I don't really remember what the service was about, but I remember the heaven and hell making sense to me. And he invited people to come to the front and pray if they wanted Jesus in their heart. And I remember wanting to go, but thinking that that wasn't really for me. And so that that night, uh, different people came over to the house and um, Bob Bellman, who was a family friend, was there and I was being put to bed and he just noticed uh, that something was going on with me and he came over and he said, Harold, which that's my full name, Harold. He said, Harold, Jesus loves you. Mm. And I said, I want to love him too. Mm. And uh, began to cry and he just, he prayed with me. And I really think that was the beginning. I, and in fact, I think that a work was done at that point. I don't know quite what label to put on it, but then I grew up in, then I grew up in a very churched home, very godly loving home. Um, but I, I think there's a sense in which we have to choose God for ourselves mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. in every stage of life. And I'm not talking about getting saved again. I'm just right. saying our circumstances change and we have to say yes again. And mm-hmm. when I was, a teenager, I was, I wasn't doing anything that the world would call bad, but I was living for myself and Mm -hmm. I was selfish and unhappy. And, uh, I think you could say miserable a lot of the time. And I, my dad sent me to a camp in New York and, uh, I think he, he wanted to push me a little bit and let me find out what I was made of. And so it was, a we did, we climbed Mount Marcy. We did a 50 mile canoe trip. We did, we did wow. some other things, but it was a, it was a Christian camp. And, uh, one night just kind of looking at a big, it was a big bonfire. I was just kind of lost in my own thoughts. And I had a little, a little stick in my hand and I thought I could throw that stick in the fire and it wouldn't even make a difference. Mm-hmm. I said, kind of like me giving my life to you, God. I'm not sure it would make any difference to you, but I'm pretty unhappy. If you want me, you can have me. And threw the stick in the fire. And I, yeah, I didn't even notice it. You know, it was instantly consumed. But that was really my, I'm all in, uh, God. And uh, uh, there have been, you know, I've had to choose them again. Uh, and again, but that I think that was really the point where I had an, a full understanding. Well, 
as much as 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 much as a seventeen year old does. I right. had understanding that I was saying, uh, whatever it takes, Lord, I'm gonna follow you. Mm, wow. Wow. I, I was pretty I was still pretty weak and pretty um I mean it was probably not till I was thirty till I would till the Lord did a work in my life to keep me from being obsessed with what other people thought about me, you know, so there's still, still work that he had to do lots of it. But at that point I decided I was following Jesus and if he wanted me and whatever he wanted to do with me, he could. Yeah. It's so cool to me. Not cool. I don't know what word to call it, but Sarah and I have really been talking because on, and both of our, well, it seems like in all three of our testimonies, there was this moment where we really wanted to know Christ, you know, um, and, and said the words, but then later is when we really count the transformation because you, I, I liked how you said there was a work that kind of began because Sarah and I haven't really known. We've talked about it so much. I mean, would, if we, was that salvation? Because I said, and I believed it. And at that time I wanted it, but there's nothing that compares to what it's like now. Um, so I like that perspective, how you, what you, what everything you just said. Yeah, and I think I think the Lord did a full work in me for the understanding I had. Mm-hmm. And but then in in some ways I tried to take it back. <laughs> you know, yeah. I tried to I tried to live for myself and I had to surrender again. And there's a sense in which I have to do that every day. I yes. have to surrender every day to I'm either going to be his or I'm not or I'm not. I'm going to try and live for myself or or I'm not. And I believe one of the reasons King David was a man after God's own heart is because he repented quickly. He was stupid sometimes and, and, <laughs> and sinful, but he repented quickly. And I, and I, that's what I want to be. Yeah. 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 Me too. Um, I, love that. I do too. I, I really like the perspective. I mean, we know he says, you know, to take up your cross to crucify yourself, you know, you have the, your flesh and all that, but really it's so hard to put your finger on what was actually happening, you know, in the times before, um, and everybody, like, like I've said in mine, like, I know when I was like 30, there was this renewal of my mind that could not be undone. But, but before I was like, I didn't really, mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't mm-hmm. really, I wanted to love him, but I never really knew what that meant or how to, I think. And then the Holy spirit really just at 30 wrapped his arms around me in a way that was different. Like, and I think the work was happening all along, although I lived a very sinful, not, not by the world standards, but by, like you Mm -hmm. said, like by what I want to, you know, I wasn't living for God. So that is, I I just love that. That really, that really spoke to me. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's going to speak to a lot of people too. Um, I think you're in a similar boat. You have to choose them daily. Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's so good. It I is really that. good. Um, and so with that, I'm going to piggyback off to the next question. So you have been married, you said, for 37 years nope. um, to Anna Marie, who I just love. She's a, so, so precious. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you have any word of encouragement 
as a Christian husband um, to other men out there um, who are believers and either married or hope to get married one day um, that you might want to share with them? Yeah, I guess, one, you won't ever change her. So quit trying. (laughs) I mean... Wow, he just came right out the gate with the real. (laughs) Well, it, I mean, isn't that what we all want to do is change everybody to be like us because we've got it the right way and everyone else has it wrong. Um, So that's wrong? You're saying that's not correct. (laughs) But the reality is we're not, I can't change anybody's behavior. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I'm in a position I can leverage it for a little bit. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. why we think we're good parents when we got little kids, because (laughs) we can leverage it for a little bit. But um, but receive her as God's gift to you. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's how the Adam and Eve story. It was God created her and gave her uh, not not in any kind of lesser. When I say gift, it's not like she's a lesser image bearer. But, right. but God gave in the relationship, she was someone for Adam to receive. And so all the, all the differences in that person, if you believe God led you together, then he, in his wisdom, those things about her that are different are for your sanctification, are for your blessing, are for your... Um, why not enjoy them instead mm-hmm. of trying to change? Mm-hmm. The other, the other thing that just comes right to mind is First Peter three seven talks about treat your wife with respect so that nothing will hinder your prayer life. Mm-hmm. That's pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's not, there's not anything. There's probably no greater tool that we're given. We're given the person of the Holy Spirit, but in terms of a of a tool uh, uh, for spiritual warfare, for living life than prayer. Mm-hmm. And husband's prayer life is tied directly in scripture to how they treat their wives. And so mm-hmm. receiver is a gift, live in respect to her. Um, Paul says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. She is not going to complete you in the way. I don't know that I have the words for this, but there is a part of completing you that only God can do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when we look to our spouse to be that completion, they are going to fall short mm-hmm. because they're not capable. My my mentor used to say, we can we make crappy gods. We can't even bear the weight of our own existence. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly our spouse can't bear the weight that mm-hmm. we put on them to be a God, to be, I mean, a little G God to, mm-hmm. to yeah. make things wonderful for us. So uh, I guess that would be my advice is <laughs> be, mm-hmm. yeah, that's be real. Um, yeah. You're yeah. not going to change her. Treat her with respect. Receive her as a gift. And don't put the responsibility on her to make you happy Mm. you're responsible for your own emotions and Mm. there's no way that she can be Mm -hmm. so anyway that was that's 
That's so good. I think that goes both ways in so much of what you're saying. I think that is such great advice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I love that because that respect word to me, I know that love or respect is encompassed in love, but really the respect thing I think is where offense is bred, you Mm. know, and I think like what the way a woman will receive the offense from disrespect, you know, which is a, 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 a fault in love, right? If you're not respecting mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. is different than the man. And, and I think so many times, at least in, in our marriage, we've been married now 10 years. You, I'm still baffled by the things that I can do that will be disrespectful that I'm like, I ha- I wouldn't have even dreamed that that would have you know, manifested Mm -hmm. that way. Right. Like I didn't even in my mind as a woman, it just, it didn't compute. And so, um, I think the fact that respect, respecting her was the first thing that you said, I don't know. I, no, I I just, or well, you said receive her, but that's, that's Mm -hmm. really good because we don't, we want to, I think society has kind of pushed the idea of love as something that it absolutely is not. And respect is such a word that is very, um, meaty, I guess there's a lot of, uh, sustenance to that word, to respecting her and putting her first and, and that kind of thing, like the same way. So I love that. And that it's tied to prayer. How did, uh, oh, I'm I, sorry. I, I was just gonna say for your audience, our readers, there's a book and it's not a marriage book. It's, um, it's called leadership and self-deception. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily a Christian book. It's just about if you and I have a problem, 99% of the time, the problem is me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I make choices that put me in a frame of reference where I have to demonize the other person. Mm-hmm. I have to make them out to be the bad guy to deal with myself. But I'm the one that compromised first. I, yeah. comp- mm-hmm. I made a, I compromised an internal value. A set, and it's, re- it's a really good book. We use it with our missionaries. Um, and there's, a, there's another one that goes with it called Anatomy of Peace. And oh, wow. um, they're just... Uh, they're just good books about relationships in general, but definitely apply to marriage. Yeah, we'll put that cool. out there. Well, yeah, I'll have to check those out. Yeah, I will too, because I think um, now being spirit-led and still knowing that the Holy Spirit lives within me and that I I commune with him and I hear his voice and I, I'm led by him in the same breath, every day I would say at some point I choose my flesh Mm. every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, I, it's not always the same thing and it may be something minor to other people, but later when, you know, spending time with the Lord, there's that, you know, that sweet nudging that you're like, okay, Lord, I, I help me to do that better tomorrow. Help me to do that better tomorrow. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but when I, when I'm, um, Asking for forgiveness for something that I've done that I shouldn't have done or when my kids are doing that, um, I make sure that they understand that regardless of what that other person did, like how wrong or right it was really has no 
matter on what you chose to do. Like even if what they did was absolutely terrible, you still made a choice to respond that way. And, and, um, because then, you know, I can't do, we, I like that. I'm going to check those books out because we can't put the blame, you know, I can't stand before Jesus and be like, well, he hit me first. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just not gonna, um, not that he's going to, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, Yeah. So I like that a lot. That's really, really good. Um, and, and that you said we can leverage, we feel like good parents when our kids are little, that was so hilarious <laughs> and true because, or the first one, I guess you were the first one. So yeah, your mom older. thought she was a really good mom. And I thought I was doing really well with jet. And then <laughs> I was like, Oh, so it's just him he was just a really easy going kid and then you go and you have the others and you're like oh it's it's not as easy as I was okay all right this is more difficult than I thought um yeah so how did you meet Anna Marie uh she transferred in to the college where I was um where I was at Asbury College and she had been going to Georgia Mason University and her brother was also going there and he wanted to transfer. And so she followed him for a college visit and ended up uh, just shortening the story, ended up coming there. Uh, and so I met her the beginning of my sophomore year. Oh, I love that. I love, I like love stories. So I wanted to hear this love story uh, of how you guys met. I, well, I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. I just, tell me. Um, I had a friend I had a friend named David. David and I, um, we, I had Dee Dee, Sarah's mom, who let me know that there are lots of girls at Asbury that during that time, she said that would love to have a date just for fun without anything, but in this little microcosm uh, of a thousand people, that's about right there then, um, that's very challenging and difficult. And I met a friend named David, whose older sister had told him similar things. They also said you go out with somebody a couple of times and you're an item. And um, so David and I just decided <laughs> we're going to go out with two girls on Friday night and two different girls on Saturday night. That way no one will ever pin us down for being an item and we'll just have fun. And so we did. We had a blast and we decided we're going to be creative and we're going to have fun even if the girls don't. So <laughs> we did everything you could think of. We'd go for a hike. We'd get candelabras and dress up and go to McDonald's. We could, I mean, just whatever, <laughs> whatever was creative uh, and seemed like a fun idea to that, that week. Well, and so Anna Marie was part of that. He, sometimes he would take, we tried to take out girls who hadn't, no one had taken out before. And we noticed after a bit that um, sometimes when we would take a girl out that some guy who'd been trying to work up his nerve to ask her out would get a little panicky or maybe get his courage up. And then he had asked, he'd ask her out. And so a number of the (laughs) girls that we started, we'd ask out one weekend, pretty soon they'd be dating. And so that was fun for (laughs) us as we did um, we just we just had a, a great time, but we got pretty much through the yearbook, um, and <laughs> everybody that wasn't dating someone or 
uh, that we could figure it. Now, not not every single girl, but we began to think who who has been the most fun. Let's kind of double back, and Anna Marie was in that category. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it's long story, David. Um, I that I went into Dave's room one day and said, Dave, it seems like we're both falling for the same girl. Because I noticed that either Anna Marie was taking him out or I was um, mm. several times. And he said, no way, babe. Uh, no might be relationship with a girl is going to come between our friendship. Mm. Well, I really appreciated that because I had lost a friend previously over dating a girl. So then it became more clear to me. Yeah, I, I am enough interested. I'm spending enough time with Anna Marie. I need to either clear, clarify with her or step out. Um, and as I was walking back from her dorm processing that, I fell in step with a guy who said, oh, man, David really likes Anna Marie. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, I can tell. I've known him longer than you have. And so I went up to David Germ. I said, hey, I just want you to know I'm not going to date Anna Marie. And he said, okay, babe. And I was a little bit angry because I was like, I'm making this big sacrifice and you're being offhanded about it. But very quickly they started dating and they dated for about, I'm going to say six months. And I doubled with them a lot with different girls and then more with uh, one girl in particular and uh, we do stuff like Dave would say, I got to study. Can you go out with both girls tonight? Or I'd say, I've got a soccer game. And so he would take both girls out. But we would, we just got to be close friends during that time. And then over the summer, David broke up with uh, with her because he was going to the mission field and she didn't necessarily, she didn't have a strong call to the mission field that she could articulate. And he wanted somebody that did. Mm-hmm. And so... Meanwhile, my soccer coach, as we came back to Asbury, my soccer coach said, I want everybody to get a date. We're going to do a big group date. And he was he was going to make a splash, you know, PR splash, the soccer team all going out and knew that it would get talked up. And so for the first time, I didn't just pick somebody or think who would be fun. I thought, oh, I need somebody everybody's going to be looking. I will, I want to take out somebody I'd really be proud of. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, Anna Marie's dating David. Oh no, she's not. <laughs> and so I asked her and she said, yes. And she thought, cause she kind of knew how things had been working. She thought, Oh, isn't that nice? Hal is showing that I'm back in the dating game. You know, he's, <laughs> he's letting people realize. And I thought, this is a really big deal. She probably can tell I'm serious. So afterwards, I asked her if she wanted to date exclusively and she said, no. Oh, and I was like, Oh, no. Um, and I said, well, we can still be friends and friends do things together. And she said, okay, uh, actually she said, no. And I didn't know what to say that. Time. So I said, uh, will you pray about it? And she said, yes. So the next week we went on a walk and she said no again. And that time I said, uh, we can still be friends and friends do things. And she said, okay. 
and she says she tells now you know it's not fair to her she's not here to tell her side but <laughs> she says that um it was confusing for her that she was enjoying the time with me and david and all of a sudden i disappeared and she dated dave but she anyway she didn't want to date again it hurt <laughs> and yeah um, yeah and so uh so i just tried to think of things that friends might do together hey do you and your roommate want to come over to my parents house for for lunch um hey i'm going grocery shopping want to want to come along with me um hey i volunteered to make cookies for vbs will you help me um <laughs> and then the junior high sunday school class need a teacher and i said hey i'm willing to do that if you'll help me will you do that and she said yes and so then i knew every sunday i, got, I would get to see her and um, so for a year, I just tried to think of creative situations we could be in to get to know each other better. And we built a great friendship. And um, at, anyway, I'll bring this to a close. At the end of that time, I was working at a summer camp and she knew that the policy was no days off. But it was my second year of working there. And I had negotiated I would come back if they gave me her birthday off. And they did. And so I drove up and surprised her on her birthday. And that was, the, that was the first time we kissed. And that's really when we began dating. And, Aww, uh, that's so sweet. So, yeah. It is so that's sweet. A, that's a, that's that a story years and years ago. I love yes. that. I think, um, too, what it's sweet that, um, you know, she was confused. I mean, it probably wasn't sweet to you, but it's sweet now. <laughs> <laughs> she was confused because um you know you just break up with somebody and then all all the emotions of that like it really set like god obviously knew that you guys were gonna this was who he had for you and so there was no um you know that like rebound or the this isn't mm -hmm. you know quite what it should be yet or whatever like you guys were able to just really set a strong foundation before you even yeah. started dating that's in, that's yeah. that's a real that's a good that's love cool. story that's a sweet love that story that i i like i didn't know that either i don't feel like i know much um about your history because by the time so you guys I'm, are I'm, we're just that much older yes i want to I, I just like to feel young so i just continue to bring that up uh, <laughs> even though i'm not so but that's okay well when, when I, I, I will say dave stood up at my wedding and i stood up at his and you guys are um, are you guys still friends well he he was a missionary pilot and he passed away um oh. he had a my youngest son is named after him oh yeah um, he he is uh he died in the Sutu. Africa delivering medical supplies to an outpost wow. um, in, a, in a plane crash. Oh, wow. So. Oh, wow. Well, I love that you named David um, after him. Like, that's very sweet. Actually, I was thinking that that was ironic when you had mentioned his name earlier. And now I see that there was a correlation after all. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. Oh. So I would love to hear about your ministry with Cornerstone. Yeah, me too. Sure. Um, well, uh, not not quite five years ago, I felt like the Lord said to me, um, when I say that, I mean, I sort of could, the words came to my mind. Right. Um, you've, you've done what I called you to do. Um, and I thought, okay, great. Uh, 
Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> Am I supposed to do something else? What specifically is that referring to? Well, because at that time you were a youth pastor. I was a right? youth pastor. I was in my 33rd year of youth and college ministry. And wow. uh, had done that. See, at, I'm out. I'm like so out of touch. All I remember, I guess I just don't remember anything past five years. That's where my brain caps. <laughs> so for me, you've always been in outreach missionary mm. ministry. I did not, I don't remember that. My brain can't do it. So I'm, I, yeah, I'm glad you said that. No, I think that's about the time that we really connected as friends and not just family, and not just cousins is, is about the time that I started. So okay. um, just through social media and stuff, but um, I was just asking the Lord what that meant for a couple months. And then I felt like he said to me, look, get out of the boat and keep your eyes on me. Mm. So Anna Marie had lost her job to an office reorganization. She was the least senior. So she lost her, her position. And we had just bought a little fixer upper um, that we hadn't done any work on yet. And the Lord was super clear. So I resigned. I thought, what are you doing, Lord? I wish I hadn't bought that house if you're if you're gonna move it. And all three of my youngest my three youngest kids were all in college and Anna Marie's job was paying their tuition. And <sighs> Anna Marie was working on her masters while she was working and it was paying her master's tuition. So it was probably at that school it was probably a hundred thousand dollars in benefits that just oh, wow. disappeared. And um and my job, my profession, and I, we had, I've never had anything like this in my life. Um, I've got nothing to compare it to, and I just believe it was the Lord. Over the next 10 days, I got nine inquiries about my availability for a job. Mm. And some of the people didn't know me. They'd just been told to reach out to me. Some did know me. A lot didn't know that I was that I'd resigned. I just took that to be the Lord's affirmation. It was all, it was all across the board. It was mm -hmm. come be a campus pastor, come be a missions pastor, do a youth ministry. Um, it was all ministry related jobs because that's what I'd done. And Anna Marie said, look, your parents are getting older and they live here. And my parents live here and our kids live here. There's a geographical band there mm -hmm. and i'd like you to look within that band because uh, one of the jobs was in brazil and one was in california <laughs> and she's like those are great i'll keep your i'll keep your uh house clean for you when you want to go on vacation mm -hmm. <laughs> but she said look in, let's look in that band so it narrowed pretty quickly to two options uh well oh the president of this mission sending agency who a year before I said to Anna Marie, I think the Lord has something with us, with Craig and Kara. I said, let's begin supporting them a little bit, get to know them better. Um, and she said, well, Kara and I are good friends, but you and, you and Craig catch up. And <laughs> so we did. So Craig came to me and said, um, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to obey. I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, well, let's have lunch. And he said, I believe that Cornerstone is ready to grow, but I don't have the bandwidth. Um, would you consider being a director 
of recruitment. We don't have that position, but we would create it um, for you. And mm-hmm. I thought about it and I said, no, um, I, I can recruit. I can go show up on college campuses and um, conferences and stuff like that and recruit. But I looked, I spent a little time with the dictionary. And I came back and said, I will mobilize I said, the way I read mobilization is it's taking people and getting them ready for the battle, um, making sure they're equipped and trained. And and I said, so if you're interested, I will pray that the Lord sends people and then I will work with them to get them healthy and ready for the field. And um, uh, I said, if you're okay with that model. And he said, absolutely. And so that's what I've done for until this last year, I've been the director of mobilization and um, we doubled in size. I only reached out to one person, the Lord wow. sent them. Wow. And, uh, and we turned people away that weren't a good fit or, or um, but in those that we said yes to, we, we doubled in size. And, and then wow. last March, Craig said, I, my heart is so heavy for the unreached, unengaged people, not the people that have never heard the gospel and there is no plan. No one has a plan to go reach them. And there's still somewhere in the neighborhood of 1700 groups like that. And he said, I want to give the rest of my, I can't keep on being president and give myself to that. And so he asked me, um, he said, would you consider, I'm going to recommend your name. And I guess he didn't tell me right off, but anyway, they asked me to consider being president. And Mm -hmm. I said, no, (laughs) I said, I really love what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm in a sweet spot and the Lord's blessing it. And I said, he'd have to really talk to me to say yes. And, um, but I prayed and I felt like the Lord said, it would be good for you to enter the process. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll enter the process. You know, maybe that'll be helpful to have a person that they know to compare against other people or something. And at each step of discerning and checking in with me and with the board and with Anna Marie, we felt like the Lord was saying yes. So uh, September, beginning of September, I became president. And I'm really excited to sit in this chair because of the because I free up people like Craig to do incredible work. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to sit in this chair and help do the administrative pieces so other people can be on front lines. And yeah. I'm really excited about that opportunity. So that's that is the, really neat. I actually didn't realize that I you didn't, had I, I stepped I into the too. presidential role. That's really awesome. So can you share the, the heart of Cornerstone? Oh, like, I'd what love is, to, yeah. Yeah, what is Cornerstone? Let me say, by the way, there's lots of Cornerstones. So if your listeners are trying to figure out which one this is, cornerstoneinternational.org. Okay. Um, If you just put Cornerstone in, you'll have hundreds of uh, (laughs) links. But cornerstoneinternational.org. We we have several distinctives. One is prayer. Mm. We... Um, probably every Christian group talks about prayer, but we have, we started as a prayer group 51 years ago that sent some missionaries 
Um, and every Thursday morning, that's what we do is we intercede for the missionaries by name. We stop what we're doing at headquarters. I have invited uh, all of our headquarters staff to spend one or two hours of their work week in the prayer room interceding for the missionaries in addition to Thursday morning. So currently we have 13 hours that are covered with one or another of our staff in there interceding. We just, this just happened, our the person who has led the organization from an operational standpoint for about 40 years has just taken what I call a promotion to lead us into the next decade with a strategic prayer initiative. How is the Lord calling us forward in prayer? Mm. And um, uh, I think that the things that the Lord has done for us and with us are largely because of that prayer time. Mm-hmm. We also, there are, there are about 400, a little less than 450,000 global workers, missionaries in the world today. 8,000 wow. of them are coming home every year to stay. Mm. New missionaries that go, only 50% stay longer than one term. Um, wow. And when they come home, they're done. Um, mm-hmm. The average missionary, depending on the study you read, um, has somewhere between three to nine times the stress that you and I do. And it's cumulative. If you work with refugees on the Sudan border where there's been a civil war for decades, or if you are in South America and because you're North American, you might get pulled over by police officers with machine guns, patted down, intimidated for a bribe. And that might happen two, three times a week. If you have to leave the country every 90 days because that's the only kind of visa you can get. All of these things are stress. Or if you have um, you have a life-threatening disease or a life-threatening illness and the best mm-hmm. hospital is actually in the neighboring country. Um, so you have to leave the country for that to take your child. All of those things that I just okay. mentioned are happening with our missionaries and a lot more. So what mm-hmm. happens is somewhere over 70% of missionaries come home with a diagnosable mental illness or Mm -hmm. mental health issue of depression or PTSD Mm -hmm. or something. So we have really, we really believe that the Lord is calling us to make missionaries our mission. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of what we do is it's not enough to just prepare them well and to helicopter in when literally or figuratively when there's a mm-hmm. crisis how do we walk with them from the u.s how do we walk alongside them in a way that gives them the necessary scaffolding and support and we believe mm-hmm. the lord's shown us some things given us some favor i've been there five years we've had one missionary couple family come home had nothing to do with us and another is preparing to come home after a couple of decades on the field because wow. one of their children has a has a serious illness. Mm-hmm. And wow. those are the only two. Um, wow. So the Lord Five is years. helping us change mm-hmm. the narrative for our missionaries. And I, I think that's probably one. Those two are probably the most significant things. There mm-hmm. are other things. We're small enough to be nimble. We, we are entrepreneurial. We... Um, uh, we can 
we've done some pretty creative things uh, with missionaries and in locations because because we're not uh, because we're not too big. We can customize the training to the person. What do they need to have before they go? That, there's things like that. Anyway, I don't want to talk That's on and me. on about it, but that gives me no, a no, it's fascinating to me. And I love yeah, that. me too. I'm like just in, <laughs> engulfed in it because. Uh, uh, sorry, Sarah. We, you were talking. I don't mean to. Uh, there's no, no. three of us now. You know how hard <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> Red crockers in one place. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just want to say that um, the prayer. Uh, in, in my walk and in my life, I feel like the Lord is leading Freddie and I, my husband and I too. We, we know that we've been called to a prayer ministry over Mm -hmm. husbands and wives, but then there's been this, this side of it. That's about deliverance after being saved. Like you said, you were saved, but it took you, you know, however long to deal with that. Um, the issue of like, how do people yeah, fear you know, people. perceive me. Yeah, yeah, that that whole thing, you know, that's like, it's not a salvation thing. It's a like, how can the Lord heal and then use this? And how can we, you know, make sure that the Lord has authority of that space in our life kind of thing of deliverance. And, but one of the things, uh, this video that I watched of this man who was in like an ex satanic thing, he said that one of his missions, this is, I'm not trying to get too deep, but just because I think it's so important is that he would go after the pastors and the, the people, not the people who were doing these incredible, uh, like, um, sermons or things like that, how big the church is. He devoted himself to those who were devoted to prayer. And Mm. so, and that was the way that he began to undermine them and that everything that you're talking about that these missionaries go through, you know, on the battlefield, really out there, um, that prayer side, I think is where, uh, as a Christian, we are dropping the ball because everything you're talking about that you're saying you're equipping these people to go, that is what being a Christian is supposed to be. Every place should be set up. Like, even if you're just, you're just going to the grocery store, you should know what you're, you know, how, how do I interact with people and share the gospel? How do I do that? And I don't think that we're equipped. And I think the place of uh, weakness is the prayer. I don't know how, I bet if we were to poll the audience and say, how long have you ever spent in prayer? You wouldn't find many. I would venture to say, you might even have statistics on this, who spend a concentrated hour or two hours a day on prayer. I don't think that that's common and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You guys tell me if you feel like that's, I mean, you're in the prayer field, you have people at work getting to go in a prayer closet and pray. That is just, I mean, I pray all day, but that, you know what I mean? Like that concentrated, no, I'm sus- taking this time. I suspect you're right. And I think the en- those of us that don't, then the enemy beats up on us for not being more prayerful. Right. I had the, <laughs> I had the privilege my junior year in college, I went to, uh, a lady named Margaret Circleson and um, who's passed on now. But I just said, Margaret, I want to learn more about prayer in the Holy Spirit. And I believe you could teach me. And she probably, she's probably as old as I am now. Um, she's probably approaching 60 and she had lunch with me every Wednesday for about two years. 
and we would just talk about prayer and the Holy Spirit. And I learned so much from her. She would say, one time I said, Margaret, I don't that you talk about praying for hours. I don't know if I've ever prayed for an hour. Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, honey, the first half hour is always hard work. Oh, I said, I get distracted. I can't keep my thoughts. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, I think of all the things that I need to do. My body yeah. starts aching. My, And she said, oh, honey, the first half hour is always hard work. Mm. Well, that blew me away. Here's a lady that would, I mean, she was in that region, probably the person most known for her prayer life and for counseling and praying for others. And she's saying, I like that every time I try to pray. And mm. I thought about, I was a runner in high school and I thought, Oh, there's a sense in which running is never, it gets easier as you do it, but still when you're lacing up your shoes and you haven't started yet, there's this element of, Oh man, I got to do this. I mean, you've got to push and get through that initial mm, right. before you can really run. Mm. And um, that, oh, that's so that was so helpful to me. I think that's so freeing because it, you feel like a failure when you yeah. are in that 30 minute struggle or you've squirreled however many times. And that I just told Sarah before we came on to pray or came on to talk, I said, Hey, I'm going to get on here and just pray out loud. Cause I had already prayed in the car. I know Sarah had already prayed, but I said, I'm going to get on here and pray out loud because if I'm not praying out loud, then I am definitely thinking about trees and what Mm -hmm. am I going to do for dinner tomorrow? And like all the things that come, I have to get into that, that time that, that like, like you said, that you get over that hump, however many minutes that might be, but you do. And it's so freeing to know that other prayer, you know, quote, prayer warriors also battle the same way every single time. That's very freeing. I think for our, for me, for sure. But for our listeners to know that. Yeah. Um, And if we, if you, reading communication stuff our brains go faster than our mouths Mm -hmm. we process and they go faster than our ears when someone else is talking we can think about other things we can so we're our brain is ready to be distracted and Mm -hmm. so we sometimes you know sometimes i have to walk and pray to help keep me Me or or (laughs) journal and pray or do something to kind of help discipline the mind Mm -hmm. to stay or to pray specific scriptures just to kind of keep my mind disciplined to the to what I'm doing yeah yep I have to get out the word um I committed to this covenant prayer with um my husband and and two friends every morning from four to four thirty we are going to pray and um it's like I had so much that I wanted to pray for but I would sit there and it would come in moments where it was definitely the Holy spirit was really just bringing things to my heart that we needed to pray for. But then I would sit there and it was like this wall. So I would just open my Bible and I'd start reading and then I'd hear a promise in there and I'd pray that promise out. And then I'd hear something and I'd pray that promise. And you know, you calling it that disciplining your mind. I I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I was just like, God, I know that I have so much, but it's not coming. Help me. And then his word really just, you know, kind of gave me that discipline. That's, that's, that's a good, that's a good word. I like that. And you, you think about your own children. We're, we're delighted when they just want to come be in our presence. Mm 
Yeah. And Mm -hmm. praying is not necessarily doing all the talking. Yes. Um, Sometimes it's just showing up and being available that if he wants to say something to me, he can. Yes. And so I'm not setting the agenda. I'm allowing him to. And I'm in his presence. And sometimes when I do that, I fall asleep. And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, but just to allow him to... So it's it's not me. We we are such performers, mm-hmm. um, and yet what Jesus said to his disciples before he died is, "Hey, just hang on. I'm the vine. You're the mm-hmm. branches. Mm-hmm. Just hang on and let me push the nutrients into you so that you'll bring fruit. A branch mm-hmm. doesn't do anything but mm-hmm. stay attached." <laughs> isn't that freeing that's what i love about the gospel is that when you really get it and i think that's why i count my salvation at 30 is because i no longer felt bound i felt free Mm -hmm. when i was like a teenager i felt bound to i've got to do this because god says this and you can't do that and so i can't and then finally I, i just can't i don't i don't want to anymore not only can i not and i let the enemy beat me up and myself now i just don't want to i just don't care but then the real salvation where like you said you do nothing you literally do nothing it's it's he gave me the faith to even believe in him to come in the first you know you're just like free you're just free and um yeah so yes sarah um, yeah that actually reminds me of the story that annie lane which is Hal's mom was telling us on the podcast about her cousin that she didn't like you know mm -hmm. and then the the lord did work in her heart Mm. and, and she saw him and she just all of a sudden ran up and gave him a hug and she was like, you know, what am I doing? Yeah. God's just doing the work in our hearts. And even if you're not doing anything like, and sometimes it's surprising, like, who am I? <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. And I I like the listening part because I'll do that too. And when you said sometimes you fall asleep and that's okay. Sometimes I think, also not that every time it's this but I do feel like there's such God is so specific about resting and resting in him like he really talks about that a lot in the word and how all of that so I sometimes think that when we come and we're just silent and it turns to sleep I really sometimes think that's just the sweetness of the Lord that he knows his children and they need a moment and um, I always wake up so much more I wake up when I've done that as if I've sat at the feet of Jesus almost every time. So I don't think that that's all bad, but you know, um, anyways, I just, I like the listening part because it's your dad and he wants to talk to you and he wants to tell you things and just be with you. And that's very good. Very, very good. Um, well, how I was wondering, do you have a favorite or like a life verse? Yeah, I know it's me hard too. To have a favorite, but do you have a life verse? Uh, yeah, I resonated for the years. I think since I was young, Second uh, Timothy two two stuck out to me, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Timothy, who is third generation, Paul comes in and mentors him and says, look, you've heard me in the presence of others, teach to others who will be able to teach others. So he takes it another three generations. And the, um, and I just, 
I have wanted to make disciples who make disciples. And it's the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit really that makes disciples, but I've wanted to participate mm -hmm. in that. And yeah. the mark of my quote unquote success is are those that I've poured into, are they pouring into others? Mm -hmm. um, and so that, oh, that's good. That kind of drove, that was a directing passage for me in youth ministry. Yeah. But I'd say most of the kids that went through my youth group would say that it's Philippians 2 3 through 11, the old Christ hymn, who Jesus, though he's in very nature God, did not consider equality mm -hmm. with God something to be grasped. And that mm -hmm. passage, because mm -hmm. I, I talk a lot. Um, well, I could talk about this for an hour, but I'll just say in a few sentences, the world system of power and position and popularity is, I believe, ultimately a demonic system 100%. of leadership. And there's a very different um, model in Philippians 2. Jesus, who had power and position didn't consider it something to be grasped and i think of somebody holding on to sand the more you mm -hmm. grab it the more it slips away but he mm -hmm. emptied himself he opened his hand he, he emptied himself and became a servant and uh, you look at you look at the easter story and there's two basins of water you got pontius pilate hoping to hold on to his power and position and this fleeting popularity and he wash he he takes an amoral stance and sentences a an innocent man to die and jesus who had come from god and was going to god and the father had put all things under his feet got up from the table put a towel around his waist and began to wash the disciples mm. feet the guy who had everything mm -hmm. i've got a friend who was a he was a guerrilla fighter in um, a Central American country, and he was a vociferous. <laughs> That's cool. He was, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, what was cooler is what happened after Jesus got hold of him. But yeah, <laughs> he, he said, I read everything I could get my hands on. It was Darwin and Nietzsche and Marx. And uh, from Darwin, I learned I was an evolutionary accident. And from Nietzsche, I, I learned there was nothing beyond the grave. And from Marx, I realized that the only way to make a difference in my life was to do it now by force. And so he said, I got a gun and I joined the gorilla, but I continued to read anything I could find. And one day I found a slip of paper lying in the gutter and it said, Jesus who had come from the father and was going to the father and knowing that the father put all things under his feet, got up from the table and wrapped a towel around his waist and began to wash the disciples feet. He said, I didn't know who this guy was, but he knew who he was. Mm. He knew where he was going. He knew where he'd come from and where he was going, and he knew how to make a difference, and he served. This man understood reality, and I had to find out who he was. So by the time I met him, he was an evangelist. He planted several churches. Wow. He, was eight, he was 18. Um, but anyway, wow. so I just that passage is so powerful to me because I think it's a, it's a passage about reality. It's a passage about leadership. And when we, when we try to parent because I said so out of power, or when we try to lead in whatever capacity we are because we have the position, mm -hmm. or when we try to be liked as instead of trying to be 
a servant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's got the seeds of death in it, and mm-hmm. we're invited to plant seeds of life. And I think that's by serving out of love. So I'll get off my soapbox, but that's no, that's not a soapbox. <laughs> that's exactly that is so good. And you just said so much, and I I don't think that we asked this question quite yet. But you know, encouragement. Sarah was probably going. I always jump ahead of her. You, everyone who listens already knows I do that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the encouragement for a father, um, yeah. at, from you as a Christian father, because parenting is kids. <laughs> yes, you have five kids and you're just it's just so hard being a parent is so hard so i would love to hear your fatherly perspective i can't believe anyone's still listening to me if but i will no (laughs) i mean i've been talking for a while just for your four listeners um i would say you're an ambassador (laughs) as a parent you're an ambassador and a steward and mm-hmm. I remember driving down the road one day, and you guys know my mom. She's a great mom. My dad's a great dad. Mm-hmm. And I yes. was in this kind of arrogant thought pattern. I was thinking, you know what? I've got great parents, and and Anna Marie and I are doing really well. We had a two year old and a or an almost three and a and a one year old. And I thought if somebody wants to know how to be good parents, we'd be good ones to ask. Mm. A total arrogance. And, um, and the Lord just, it was like he took a literal veil and pulled it away from my mind. And I began to see the ways that I was, that my own insecurities with negative emotions were impacting my kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could just go down a list. I began, and I was like, oh God, well, who can do this? And I still arrogant, even in my, you know, even as he was bringing me to a melody, my question was still an arrogant one. And I, and he said, I'm the parent. You get to join me. Mm-hmm. And I realized it changed me. I would have crushed my kids too much of a perfectionist, too much of a driver, too much. Um, But in that moment, I understood that God's the primary parent and I'm a steward that gets to help. And my job is to be an ambassador of him to that child. I'm I'm a a reflection of who he is with skin on right now to that child. Well, that Mm -hmm. changes everything. It means... You you got no business getting embarrassed about your kid because your kid, yes, you know that that's a performance thing. Performance mm-hmm. is crushing, yeah. and even in good ways, we put our kids on the platform. But it's performance that says, "What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. What have you? Are you if you're good enough?" Mm-hmm. And it's never it's never enough. And so I would say, I would say, join the Lord. The, the, the verse that says, raise up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. I've heard mm-hmm. a lot of people misuse that verse as, yes. if, yeah. as if it's a discipline verse. And 
I don't believe it is. Mm-hmm. I believe there's a way that God has wired your kid to there's a path that he has for him. And your job is to raise him up in that way. Mm-hmm. Your job is to help him find that. As you mm-hmm. walk along, as a, you, you've been given a child of the king to help oh, I'm stewards. Cry. <laughs> <laughs> and, so you, and I have two. I've been given five of them. And so, uh, and I, man, I've done, you want, you want to have a list of what not to do, get my kids on here. But, um, <laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, w- w- our call is to join him and to be an ambassador. And you know what? Jesus is never harsh with me. Mm-hmm. So do I have, if I'm representing him to my kids, is there a place for me to be harsh? Mm-hmm. Jesus, um, anyway. You get the idea. I think that I think the encouragement would be if he didn't, if the Lord didn't think you were the best person for those kids, he wouldn't have given them to you. Yeah. Yeah. So just walk at the pace of grace, Mm. live in the rhythms of rest and allow and join him where he's at work in parenting your kids. Well, clearly we have invited you onto this podcast so that you could share that with me because our, our one of the next ones that we're going to do is about forgiving yourself. We did, you know, mm. one a few about forgiveness in general. And I think everything that you um, had said about the, the user of power, you know, that it's, mm. it's, it's of, it's demonic. It's not what God set up. I think at, at its very core, you can, for sure see that and that that's what forgiveness does like i have you know i've i'm i'm choosing to give this to god i'm choosing to to let this go to hand it over you know what i mean you're choosing to give that authority to the lord so that the one who's really capable can do what he needs to do and the forgiveness that he gave to us you know he Mm. he doesn't have to do that he has no he has no need to do that except that he loves us that way and when it circles back around to the idea of he's the parent there's so much freedom Mm -hmm. in that and it's such a different mindset um and there's just such a need to forgive ourselves and that's my prayer sarah and i have cried many tears together haven't we (laughs) about (laughs) parenting and how we we are we'll, we'll be beat up by the enemy like i'm afraid i'm breaking them they're gonna just need to talk about them. this in therapy because i care <laughs> you know and maybe they will but my prayer is that god will take the things that i have done and they were fleshly or really terrible mistakes and turn them into a testimony and a glory for him and that it won't be a stumbling block, but rather a, a cornerstone, a, a building block for our children's lives. And I apologize to my children like all the time. So I just, anyway, Sarah, I don't know if you have a comment, but I just, I just thank you for sharing that and being obedient to say that because I really needed to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, you don't, you don't have to hope that the Lord will use those things. The truth is, I have failed. You will fail. We all, it's going to happen because we're not, we're not intended to be the perfect parent. Yeah. And 
what God has promised is my grace is sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. My power is perfected in your weakness. Mm-hmm. And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I boast about my weaknesses that the power mm-hmm. of Christ may dwell in me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank the Lord that places where we were inadequate as a steward, which he already knew, mm-hmm. he is going to get to manifest his power in our kids because of that. And mm. we tend to think that the most important thing is our kids not make mistakes, mm. which is foolish because everyone makes mistakes. Sure. The most yep. important thing is our kids need to know how to make mistakes. Yeah. What happens when I make mistakes? Can I repent quickly? Mm-hmm. Can I be authentic? Can I run to Jesus? Can mm-hmm. I, or, or am I just crippled with shame? And mm-hmm. do I have to pretend that that's not real? So what we get to do as parents is teach them how to walk, how to, how to live in this world. And it has a whole lot more to do with resting in Jesus than turning out kids that look just so. Right. Just so, you know, and you can only do that to a certain age anyway. You know, yeah. for a lot, it, chickens and ducks will continue to walk in line. Um, in the military, they'll continue to walk in line. But kids are not going to do that very long. They're mm-hmm. going to, God wired them to be their own person. And it's going to start happening unless you crush their spirit. Yeah, and, no, don't yes. do that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, no. I'll, no, you you've don't understand. A, you've it's got so a thirty-three-year-old, a thirty-three-year youth minister here. You start talking about kids, and I can go and go and go. <laughs> well, we might just have to ask you to come back and talk to us more and more often because it's been—I don't know about you, Sarah, but I'm over oh, here trying not to so cry. Good. I know <laughs> it's been so good. Really I've actually—I wish you could see me right now. I actually have a notepad next to me, and I've been taking notes. Oh, why didn't I do that? I'm going to need you to send it because you said walk at the pace of grace. I was like, that's quickable. Mm-hmm. That's going on the Facebook. That's a really good thing to say to people. Well, because it helps you. Re- remember to what the the real perspective is and I know that um I'm really glad that you said everything you said but even just now um one of my moments where I was in my room just crying and feeling like oh my goodness lord I I'm sorry that I I messed this I did this again you know I this shortcoming with my kids and and God really gave me he's so sweet to us but mm-hmm. he just really was like you are showing them what to do when you mess up. So just the fact that you just said that and you clearly Mm. have no idea was just a really sweet little, Mm. just little uh, confirmation from the Lord because I want to, and the way you said it was just so much more eloquent, but I, I know Sarah and I have said, we want to be the ones that say we're wrong and ask for forgiveness quickly and we don't run from God we run to God and setting up a home where our children don't want to hide from us so much as they want to come to us because they know that we're gonna we're gonna help them walk through that versus you know that anyways it was just all really good so um I needed to hear it. Yeah, I needed to hear that. That was for me and I'm sure every other listener too. But personally for (laughs) me, that was God's little sweet, just kiss on the head for me. I, um, so yeah. Okay. Let me throw in one thing before you wrap it up. Um, when you become, 
I, I know your kids aren't teenagers yet, mm-hmm. but there's a great little book. It's out of print, but it's been reprinted so many times you can find it on the internet. It's called Like Do, D-E-W, Your Youth. And then a, a colon, Growing Up With Your Teenager. And it's written by Eugene Peterson. And I don't really mark up books. I read a lot, but I don't really mark up books. I've marked that one all the pieces. <laughs> it's, it's developmentally accurate, but theologically, it's so rich. He basically says, when we were little, when we were young and in love and thought we had the world by the tail, God gave us kids. To, to help us, you know, for our own sanctification. He said, mm-hmm. but there's no expiration date on it. And when your kid becomes a teenager, and he said, in the, in the time that we're beginning to feel a little bit like, ooh, everything hasn't gone the way that I hoped. And maybe the husband has really poured himself into a job that didn't, wasn't all that he hoped for. And, and, and there's a little bit of disillusionment in life, God gives a much more awkwardly wrapped package of teenagers (laughs) to us. And it's really a beautiful thing that that's still the gift of children never expires. And at every age, it's for our sanctification. So if you have listeners that are heading into that um, early adolescent period of Mm -hmm. 10, 11, 12 years old, I just recommend that book. Yeah, that's great. I want to get. I'm going to ask you to text because you've now said three books, and I can't remember not one of the names. <laughs> I, have a I wrote them all down. Okay, okay good. Yeah, because I want. We like to share that because a lot of times people don't know where to start with certain books, and so we really enjoy sharing that. And I want to read them myself. Um, yeah. Because that's the only thing I do like to read. I'm not, I, I didn't get that. Whatever that is, that must have come from, the, uh, I guess it didn't come from all the Ham- Hamilton side because your mom loves to read. But I only <laughs> like to read the Bible and I only like to re- read things that are like, you know, tag along with God's word. But I don't, I've never been an avid reader. So like, I don't know all the things. I didn't get that. So I, when you, <laughs> you share, I said on the other podcast that you were the one who told me, well, you didn't actually tell me, but you shared Elizabeth Elliot. And I was mm. like, who is this? I don't know who it is. And I just <laughs> love everything that she said. I was like writing it down. I love, I looked at all of her things that, yeah, no, she's not, but all of the things from the past. And I was like, this is incredible. It just blew my mind. So I, <laughs> I love whenever an avid reader just takes the hike for me and tells me the ones that I'm going to actually enjoy. <laughs> so I don't have to do it. Okay. You brought it up. Quick story of the only time that I met Elizabeth Elliot. I went before she died. I went to Elizabeth Elliot. How come you didn't lead with that? We've been on this <laughs> podcast for an hour and you just now telling us you met. Eli- oh my goodness. Okay. Anyway, went to hear her speak. She gave her presentation. She was getting older, and um, this was maybe 25 years ago. And uh, somebody, she said, are there questions? And somebody raised their hand and said, how could you do it? How, uh, what is it in you that you were able to go back into that tribe and minister? And then the men that killed your husband were part of those that discipled and baptized your kids. Um, what is it in you that allowed that to happen? She gave a very interesting answer. She's quiet for a second. She said, well, it all happened when I was 12 years old. She said, I went to the altar 
and I told God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whoever mm. you want me to be, I will be. She mm. said the rest has just been working out the details. I just <laughs> have to get my emotions together. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, so you. Uh, hey, one, one more tidbit. Stuff. I know you're trying to wrap this thing up. No, I really am not. I could honestly <laughs> sit here all night and I would love it. I, so you don't, you go, you do you and I'll just sit here. Hey, and you know what? If we you've read, if you've read the story through Gates of Splendor, if yeah. you know that story battles of the valley you're familiar uh-huh. with the the tribe menkaya was the first convert uh-huh. menkaya died not that long ago and um one of our missionaries was friends with menkaya and with his son and with his grandson and so that tribe who was evangelized um basically reached out to um our the cornerstone international missionary and said we are hungry. Um, we're hungry for our, basically our next generation isn't getting it. Mm-hmm. And the tribes around us don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we can't live without the word of God. And we have a responsibility to those tribes. Will you come in and help us? Mm-hmm. So it's exciting to, I mean, it's be just a, a gift that we get to be a part of. Yeah. That story. So, there, there are those kind of stories all over the world, but this one's a little more known. And so, what a privilege to be a part. I love that. I, I get these, um, which I just don't know what the Lord has. The Lord has been moving Freddie and I in different ways for things. And you know, you, when you're in a season, like you said, I'm just trying to be obedient. That's where we are. We're like. Yeah. I'm just trying to be obedient, but I know this, but I have no idea about the rest of this. And we, um, I don't know that I have the, the desire to go. I don't know what I have, but I know Mm -hmm. that I have the desire to share the gospel. Like I cannot. And Sarah is the same. We can't just sit on that. And Mm -hmm. I think why, like when you share your posts, get your updates and I'm reading and I'm praying for you and your, your, your things on my refrigerator and all of that. Thank you I'm so just much. Like, oh yeah. No, that's such an honor um, to even, yes, be even a tiny part of that. But I, um, I get this like, why, where, how can we, you, like you said, we have a, we have responsibility to the next generation. Like how, what, what are we doing? What are we failing as, or not failing? That's not what I mean. I just mean, where's the gap? I feel like there's a gap between you. You're sitting in a pew at this time. Like you said, you went and sat with a lady at lunch every Wednesday for however long to learn about the Holy spirit. And I like, went to what was, you know, denominationally a Pentecostal church and had no idea who the Holy Spirit was, you know, mm-hmm. and Sarah and I just recently were reading a scripture and um, felt like we had to go back to the drawing board about the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. And so I feel like that the idea of the prayer and the Holy Spirit is where we're dropping the ball that how do you just sit on wanting to share the gospel? Maybe you're not going to these unreached countries, but surely in the gas station, when you see the person in front of you who's mm. depressed and you can see it on their face, 
where is the stirring to just, you know what I mean? Like, what, what are we doing and how can we bridge that gap? And that's what burns in my heart, like all the time, all the time. How can we bridge that gap? Where, what can we do for that? And so um, I just love, I guess I'm just honored to, to be your friend and family member for somebody who's really um, being a mobilizer um, for, for that, um, that work, that calling, that, that place. Um, so I love that. Well, you guys are lifting him up, and his promise is if he's lifted up, he will draw all men and women to him. So uh, that speaks specifically to the cross, but it also speaks to how we live our lives, and you guys are doing that. So just just continue. And yeah. I used to, when I was discipling you, if I'd say, picture yourself with your hands open out in front of you and say, Lord, if there's anything you want to put in my hands, go ahead. If there's anything you want to take out of my hands, go ahead. Mm. And in a sense, that's what discipleship is, is just saying yes. Um, mm. if, you want to, if you want to get theological, it's about trust and obedience and gratitude. But mm -hmm. um, gratitude busts the pride and the entitlement. Uh, trust and obedience is kind of the heart of following him. Um, but it's really yeah. just about saying yes. It's not, oh, I have to be doing this or that or the other. No, I'm a part of the body, and sometimes it's not clear what part I am, mm -hmm. but I can say yes and obey. Mm -hmm. I can be more obedient today than I was yesterday. I can trust him more today than I did yesterday. I can be more mm -hmm. grateful today than I was yesterday, and that's discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And again, free all of it. Everything you've said just points back to the freedom of the gospel and the Amen. grace yeah. and mercy of Jesus Christ. Because yeah. whew, we need that. We need more of that. Okay, yeah, absolutely. There's well, been... we hope we haven't we and we can, you know, if this is this has been so full of just little God nuggets, little little godly things, lots of big godly things that if we need to break it up we can oh, do yeah. that but if not i believe that it would be really good and sarah had sarah said we want to have anna marie too you know so <laughs> we might trouble you again is all that we're saying hey, right, i'm honored sarah? i'm honored <laughs> oh, yeah. and she would be too sure. okay good well then we we feel like we're going to come pick your brain and and maybe <laughs> even um do a little Bible study on here. Cause that's kind of where mm. we're looking at for season two type deal moving forward is really digging in and doing little, little Bible studies, little real, just of the word. Um, yeah. Sarah had that on her heart. And I just think that that is exactly, you know, the way we want to go. So when we bring you back, if you'll, if you'll have us, that'll be great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for, for sure. thanks for reaching out to me. So fun to be on with you guys. Um, it is so fun. Appreciate what so you're doing. Oh, well, um, we appreciate what you're doing. Sorry, sorry, it. we weren't all in the same room drinking hot chocolate or something. I, I know. Nice. <laughs> we just have to make it. Sarah and I meet halfway, which is about three hours. So I'm going to need you to want to meet the whole way to wherever that mark is. <laughs> you know, just in your spare time. Just let's yeah. come on. All that spare time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, well, Brittany, would you like to pray us out, or how? Would you I like want Hal to pray us out, if you will, if you will. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. Father, it's just so good to be in your presence with mm -hmm. with friend and family here, and friends and family, and we're we're grateful. Thank you for what you've done for us, but more than yes. that, just who you are. Mm -hmm. That 
we wouldn't have any choice but to trust you. Who else has the word of life? Who else? Mm-hmm. You're, you're the creator. And we're just so grateful the kind of God you are, that you, you're, you're kind. Uh, it's your kindness that draws us to repentance, Father. It's your, um, your mercy is new every morning. Your loving mm-hmm. kindness is so, so strong. And, and we know you have, a, there's accountability and there's, um, and you're, you're not a tame lion to borrow from C.S. Lewis, but, um, mm. we're just grateful that we, you are completely trustworthy. Mm. And so father, we just, we just admit we're a mess. We try to take charge. We mm. do things wrong. We do the same things wrong. We, um, we, we try to get our measure of success and identity from the wrong places, but Mm -hmm. we love you and we trust you and we want to be like you and Mm -hmm. you are sufficient for our weaknesses. And we pray that father, best I know how I give you my weaknesses and uh, say, would you be glorified in them in the name of Jesus? Yes. Amen. We love you. We thank you so much. And we are going to let you go, but we're going to be in touch. Okay. Yep. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, Hal. Yeah, yes. You. Okay. Bye-bye. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. over you God's word. Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better.